Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Episodes every Thursday, podcastone.com and Apple Podcasts. Hope you all had a great week. And boy, do we have a monster podcast for you to enjoy with some killer guests on this week's episode. We're going to get into that in just a second. Uh, well, let me tell you right now who the guests are because it is incredible. First, it's a double dip this week. First up, Steve Harris of Iron Maiden. And then that'll be followed by Sully Erna and Tony Rombola from Godsmack. Of course, all of the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk podcast happened on my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation, which you can hear on volume channel 106, live every day, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replaying 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern and on demand on the Sirius XM app. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, Please join me daily on Sirius XM. You are only getting a tiny taste on the weekly podcast of what I'm doing there. Everybody else around the world, well, you can't get Sirius XM, but this is another way to share these interviews with you and what interviews we have. I had a chance to see Iron Maiden live this past Saturday in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, the second of two shows they played in that arena. Remarkable show, remarkable production. Bruce sounded incredible. The set list is incredible. Uh, If you want more details on that and you want a full review of the Maiden show that I saw, if you are a SiriusXM subscriber, I I did that on Friday's show, last Friday's Trunk Nation on volume. I did a detailed rundown of the Iron Maiden show, and you can go ahead and grab that on demand and listen to that breakdown where I ran down the set list and some things that I learned, but... Iron Maiden's going to be in the U.S. and Canada now for the next couple of months. If you get the chance, see them. It's incredible how good they still are. It really, really is. At the top of their game still, more than four decades into their career. And if you're into the old school stuff, man, this is a hell of a set they're playing. The Trooper, 
into two minutes to midnight into or trooper where eagles dare into two minutes to midnight i mean how do you beat that <laughs> that's unreal revelations is in there flight of icarus is in there hallowed be thy name uh just an amazing set if you're into old school maiden stuff but more importantly played by the band that made it for the most part and uh sounding great and most importantly you know what a peeve that is of mine that uh, they're playing all live. Even Adrian Smith spoke out against the bands playing to tracks and faking it. It's becoming a movement. It needs to become a movement because it needs to stop. And great to see Adrian speak out against those bands and saying, hey, we're fully live and I don't believe rock bands should be playing to tracks and uh, made that statement in so many words recently. So it's becoming a thing. And I got people talking about this, and it's got to continue because we got to put an end to it. Maiden, of course, do not do it and sound amazing, all real, all live. The fans, so into it. Brooklyn was, like, taken over by people in Iron Maiden shirts for a couple nights last weekend, and it was uh, phenomenal. So dates near you, if you're outside of America listening, this tour is continuing. Uh, uh, Rod Smallwood, the band's manager, was telling me they're getting ready to go to – South America and Mexico, where the crowd reaction and the audience is absolutely off the hook for that band. So they're coming and they're continuing, and this tour is going to go for a while. And then if you follow the Iron Maiden formula, that would mean that, you know, we the next time around we'll have a new record and a tour that focuses on the new record. Bruce Dickinson even made a comment saying, hey, you're getting absolutely no new material tonight, which he thought a lot of the crowd would would cheer about but very little did and then later on he thanked the crowd for not cheering because he said i'm great i'm so glad our audience is open to new music really really special what goes on with iron maiden and their fans and you know with metallica probably maiden and metallica the two biggest metal bands in the world that we still have and still both really really good so steve harris on this week's podcast i'll tell you a little bit about that interview we'll get to that in a second that'll be followed by Tony and Sully from Godsmack, who are having tremendous success with their latest album, When Legends Rise. We'll talk about that as well. Before we get to our guests, I do want to tell you about Pluto TV. It's amazing because Pluto is the leading streaming television service that is totally free. You can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, and it's all completely legal and completely free. Pluto TV doesn't even ask for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is easy. Like I said, completely legal. And it's a great way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies without paying a penny. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Just download Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free. It's on all your favorite devices, including your phone. Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Check it out. I uh, watch it myself. I've got a beach house that only has streaming outlet on the TV, and Pluto is a godsend. Pluto TV, everybody, totally free and legal streaming. Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. So as I was mentioning, 
Godsmack, Sully Erna, and I think I posted this as a podcast. He was on with me less than a year ago when this record came out on my radio show. And he was apprehensive about this new record because it's the first time Godsmack worked with some outside producers and tried something different. And it is gone tremendously well for these guys. They have just scored their third number one song at rock radio with a song called under your scars that they did a video for. And uh, they're doing great on the road. They just, uh, they're currently out there touring right now. So the second half of this podcast this week will be Tony and Sully who came into the studio about a week ago for my Sirius XM show. And I had just seen them a few days earlier because I shot an interview with Sully at a jail in Ohio at a festival called Incarceration. And two day, two three days later, they were in New York, and that's when we did this interview that you'll hear later on in the podcast. Speaking of TV, four episodes now have aired of the new season of Trunk Fest on Access TV. Five more weeks of new shows. Please watch. I appreciate you checking it out. Every Sunday night, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific, Access TV comes up as AXS on your grids. The show is called Trunk Fest, covering a different music experience every week. Last week, I was in Vail. I understand, and I've said this before, and I, I completely get it, folks. I understand that this show I'm doing, A, is not that metal show, and B, it covers a lot of genres of music. But the show is more about the experience. It's almost a travel show about everything that goes on at different music events. It's not so much about the music and the genre and who's playing. It's about the food, the experience, the attractions, and gives you a little insight on what goes on. So even if the artists I'm talking to in an episode are not necessarily your thing, you'll, you should still enjoy the shows because there's a lot going on that isn't a traditional interview with an artist. That's just a small element of what I'm doing there. So be sure to check it out. I hope you like it. I thank those that do. Trunk Fest Access TV every Sunday, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. DVR it, watch it, half an hour show. Won't take too much of your time, and I think you will enjoy it as we're at the midway point of season two. So thank you for that. And like I said, listen every day on volume if you're in the U.S. and Canada to Trunk Nation live 2 to 4 Eastern, replay 9 to 11 Eastern. As you're hearing this, I'm wrapping up a week in Los Angeles and getting ready to uh, fly back to the East Coast in a day or so. Coming off of another Trunk Nation LA Invasion live broadcast from the Rainbow. I'll tell you more about that next week. So let's get to it because we got two great interviews. I don't want to uh, do too much here at the top. You know the deal. You can uh, get me on Twitter, at Eddie Trunk, where I am most active. Instagram, at Eddie Trunk. Fan page on Facebook, at Eddie Trunk. And, of course, eddytrunk.com. That is the official online home. There's music news updated there daily. Uh, you can see all my appearances right on the homepage. All Access members, you get uh, my terrestrial radio show on demand and much more. And a lot of appearances. Oh, before I forget on appearances. Next one will be August 17th in Houston at Warehouse Live hosting Tom Kiefer. And also on that bill is a band called Electric Radio Kings that features my old friend Stacy Blades, formerly of L.A. Guns. So that'll be a lot of fun. Look forward to seeing everybody in Houston on August 17th. 
That's the next appearance. But there's a ton of them, and they're all on the homepage of my site. But I also, real quick here, want to thank everybody who came out to my latest speaking show, which was last Friday at a place called The Back Bar in Janesville, Wisconsin. And that was my second speaking show two weeks in a row. I I tell rock stories, Q&A, bands play around me. It's a lot of fun. And we had a great time there. I even did my radio show in the afternoon from the venue and then had the live show at night. And I want to thank Bob and everybody at the back bar, Crash Karma, cool band that played just before me and played after me as well. Uh, Two-piece band, really cool, really interesting. And all the fans that came out, man, it was so cool. It's such an honor to have people just come out who are willing to hear me talk and tell my stories and do some Q&A and some Stump the Trunk. There's another one coming up, and that is happening. uh, It's on my website. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull it up for you right now because I should probably mention it since we are doing this podcast and people in that area. But again, all you got to do it. Well, here, there you go. There's the perfect example of why I tell everyone to go to eddytrunk.com because that's exactly what I'm doing as I'm speaking to you to find out my own schedule. All right. So August 17th, Warehouse Live, as I mentioned, New Bedford, Mass, September 6th, the Vault Music Hall. That's the next speaking show. The, the thing in Houston, I'm just hanging and hosting an intro in Kiefer. The next three events, August 17th, Houston Warehouse Live, hosting Kiefer, September 6th, New Bedford, Mass., the Vault Music Hall, speaking Q&A show, September 13th, hosting LA Guns at IDL Ballroom in Tulsa, September 20th, Shawnee, Oklahoma, hosting Deep Purple, Pat Travers, and and, uh, Joyous Wolf, Fire Lake Arena. And then we get on to Sammy Hagar's High Tide Beach Party and a bunch of other stuff. It's all on the homepage of eddytrunk.com, including Exit 111, which I'm going to be hosting. They just announced the set times and the bands for that. Tons of stuff. Please check the website. I hope to see you if I'm headed your way for whatever reason. Uh, Just keep an eye on the site and uh, appreciate you following on Twitter because that's where I am most active with info and updates. Before we get to our interviews, though, one more thing. I do want to tell you about Blue Chew because Blue Chew offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom. You want to go those extra rounds, last a little bit longer? Who doesn't? Well, at BlueChew.com, you can get the first chewables with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And chewables, the the big benefit there is they work a lot faster than pills, up to twice as fast. So you can get to it. You don't have to wait for the pill to hit. Get ready to go. (laughs) The chewables from BlueChew.com, they can be taken on a full or an empty stomach. And an online physician consults free. So it is cheaper than the other two. I mean, the other two meaning Viagra and Cialis. So you got the benefit of the online physician. And you just go to BlueChew.com. And you are uh, rocking and ready to go. Only takes a few minutes to connect with a BlueChew.com affiliated physician. And if you qualify, you get prescribed online quickly. 
No in-person doctor's visits. Could be a little awkward, awkward conversation. None of that. No waiting in line at a pharmacy. It's shipped directly to your door in discreet packaging. Nobody needs to know your business. The chewables from BlueChew.com are prescribed online by a doctor. They're made in the USA. Blue Chew gives you confidence in bed every time. You and your partner will love it. Chew it and do it. BlueChew.com. We'll be right back. Steve Harris of Iron Maiden. And then later on, Tony and Sully from Godsmack on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. The hit podcast based on the Emmy-nominated A&E series Cold Case Files is back with new episodes on Podcast One. Listen to powerful stories of crimes almost forgotten by the passage of time with interviews of the people involved as investigators shine new light on these cases and bring those responsible to justice. Download new episodes of Cold Case Files every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, it's Eddie Trunk, and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. As I mentioned, a huge interview podcast this week. Two great interviews coming up a little bit later on. Sully and Tony from Godsmack. But right now, band is currently touring in America and Canada. Maybe along with Iron Maiden, the two, one of the two biggest metal bands on the planet. Iron Maiden, their founder and leader, bassist Steve Harris. Conversation took place about a week ago on my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation. Here it is, Steve Harris. Enjoy on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Steve. Hello, mate. How you doing? Good. How you been, man? Yeah, not bad. You? Uh, good. I, I was just thinking the last time I saw you and I had you on my show, we were on the Monsters of Rock cruise and you were playing with That's British right. Lion. That's right, yeah. Which you've got yeah, coming up again, right? You're going to be doing early yeah. early next year. Yeah, well, they, they offered straight away for us to do it the following year but we we couldn't so um, we just straight away said yeah we'll do it the, the year after that so uh, yeah i'm looking forward to it again it was a lot of fun really good. i mean of course we're going to talk some maiden in a second but but before we do just tell me what have you have you got other stuff lined up with british line as far as more music and a new record coming or what are your yeah, plans yeah, with that yeah we've yeah we're um we've got all that on the go yeah we've got a new album's finished and um we're going to try and get it out by the end of this year so um, it should all be ready for when we do Monsters of Rock, and we're talking about doing some. Uh, at the moment, we're just trying to pen in some um, US shows around that. Well, that's awesome. Well, I guess we'll talk more about that when a record is coming. What, would you have a tentative release date for it? Um, no, not exactly. No, but I mean, I, I know roughly when I when I try and release it. It's just a question if we can get everything in place um, in time, which hopefully we we will. It's crazy how where time goes, but. Um, Hopefully we can get it all, you know, I'd like to get it out by sort of November, really, but we'll have to see. Well, look forward to that. Look forward to a second record from British Lion coming soon in those live shows, and we'll be seeing you again on uh, on the Monsters of Rock Cruise. I'll be on there broadcasting again, so we'll have to do it again. That was a fun time. Did you enjoy cruises overall, Steve? Did you enjoy that experience? I really enjoyed it. It was great fun. I really, yeah, it was, I mean, it's the first time I'd ever been on, on a cruise, so... Yeah, I didn't know what to expect, really, but it was great. It was actually even better than I expected. So uh, I don't know what I expected, really, but it was it was really good fun. Really enjoyed it. 
And and real quickly, is it true? Somebody had told me this. I know you live on one of the islands, right? Did you? Did we actually stop on an island that you live at? <laughs> no, but when when they changed it because we were originally supposed to be going to Jamaica, which I've not been to, they changed it to uh, you know an, an island that's actually very close to where I am. But it wasn't the actual island that I, I'm on. No. Uh, I was going to say you could have uh, you could have slept in your own bed one of the nights if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about this tour. Finally, you know, here in America, I think all the Maiden fans were getting a bit nervous because the Legacy of the Beast tour had pretty much played almost all over the world. But we were waiting and hoping that you would do a run in America, and now you've just started, and it's really a probably the most extensive touring you've done here in the U.S. Uh, in a while, right? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I'm, you know, really looking forward. We've only just started. We've only done two shows so far, third ones tonight. So, um, I'm really, yeah, it's really good. And um, yeah, we did like Europe last time round, and we sort of planned that we would come over this side of the pond at some point. And so it's now. And um, yeah, I mean, we didn't do the rest of the world, and we still have other places we haven't done yet as well. So, um, yeah, but you know, it's yeah, a long tour. Um, doing uh, Central South America as well, you know, tie that in as well, which is great. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Good, really good. And and the tour is called Legacy of the Beast because it's actually, the name is actually after a video game that you've released. Could you tell me about that? Yeah, it's, it's been out a while now. Um, you know, lots of people seem to like it. I'm not really a video gamer, but I did go down to the, you know, where they developed it. And, um, you know, I really enjoy what they were doing there and, you know, the way they were doing it, the good people doing it and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it's exciting. And I think it's another way of, you know, getting across to some, maybe some new people who would sort of not maybe get into us before that. And uh, I think by, I think it's actually worked. I think a lot of people have got into the band and, or, or even, if you know, if there was already a bit into the band, have got into other albums and other music of the band just purely through the game. And so, you know, it's just another avenue of getting across to people. So, yeah, it's great. So is the set list and the songs that you play in this show, is it inspired by the video game? Or are these songs featured in the game? Yeah, most of them are. Yeah, um, not all of them, but yeah, most of them. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's kind of loosely based. The show is loosely based on the game, but there are quite a few elements. I mean, I'd like to get a few more elements in there, really, from the game, because I think the graphics are so good. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, you know, every time you guys tour, there's always a lot of discussion about the set list because Maiden now have so many records. You, you obviously put out, still put out a lot of great new music. And then of course, all the classic stuff, it's hard to believe uh, going all the way back now to 1980 with the first record. So this tour and, and this set has really around the world been a, a, a great crowd pleaser. People have really loved what you've done here for you personally, Steve playing this stuff, whether it be older or newer, what are the highlights for you in the show? What are you most enjoying playing on this set? Um, I'm really enjoying all of it, but yeah, I suppose at a certain point, I, I mean, I like playing the more, you know, sort of difficult or technical songs. And, uh, but then again, I'm really enjoying playing Icarus. We haven't played that for a long time either. And we're actually playing it slightly more up-tempo than the, the actual original albums, which, you know, I think is where it should have been in the first place, in my opinion. But so I'm enjoying it, you know, and um, it's, yeah, I mean, the whole set's really enjoyable to play. Um, so I didn't choose the set, though, funny enough. Um, usually me and Bruce choose it together, but um, it was actually, I got it wrong in the foot. I thought it was Bruce that chose it, but apparently it was Rod. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's good. So Rod it actually, matter whose, whose idea it is, is, you know, any good idea is a good one. So, 
Yeah, you know, it, comes in with it. it's funny you mentioned about the tempo of, of Flight of Icarus, which I'm I'm also thrilled that you're playing live. But I was listening to um, the Live After Death record, which I hadn't listened to in a long time. And there's definitely times where you guys have definitely changed up some tempos on some of the stuff live, huh? Yeah, well, I think when you do an album at the time, you, you do what you feels right at the time. Um, sometimes it doesn't feel right at the time, but it still ends up going down like that or whatever. But um, most of it's just how you feel at the time. But then you go out and play it with a bit of adrenaline and, you know, it's just a little bit more, a bit, a bit up. Sometimes you don't want it to get too far because, you know, like a steam train kind of thing, you know, you just don't want it to run away with itself. But um, sometimes it's just pure adrenaline and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's kind of, with us, it's, it sort of sounds best to me when it's sort of on the edge and um, just has that fire to it. But if it goes over that edge, it can be too much. And if it's kind of under it, then... The last thing you want to be is kind of plodgy, but um, but you know I think we've found you know a really good happy medium now with most of the stuff. I was really personally thrilled you were doing Revelations in the show. I was really glad to see that back in. That was always a, a favorite of mine. It's got to be a blast to be doing that one again too, getting the crowd all into it with that you know that that uh, call and response part. Yeah, it's just a really good song. I mean, it stands at you know, a good song stands the test of time, and so yeah, it's it's, uh, it's out there with some of our best songs, I think. And speaking of good songs and talking about the set, and for folks listening, Iron Maiden will be playing two nights in Brooklyn uh, coming up Friday and Saturday night, this Friday and Saturday at the Barclays Center. And then, of course, we're broadcasting to all of American Canada, so just go to ironmaiden.com. Uh, the shows are all over the U.S. and Canada. Make sure you catch one on the Legacy of the Beast tour. But going back to the set for a second, Steve, um, you you guys have always made uh, space in sets in the sets uh, for songs from the two albums you did with Blaze Bailey, and you've do- you're doing one from each record. Is that correct in this tour? Um, well, we're doing one. Yeah, we're doing one. Yeah, exactly. We're doing Clansman, which is from Virtual Eleven, and uh, we're doing. Um, oh, I've so got a mental block on it. <laughs> um, oh, I can't think what the other one is. Right after. Oh yeah, Sign of the Cross. Right. Sign of the Cross, which is from X Factor. So, yeah, but I mean, Bruce is really, we've done them before anyway with Bruce, but um, he, he really likes those songs. And uh, so, you know, he was really happy to do them. And I'm not going to complain because, you know, I'm happy with doing them songs. But uh, but I think it just mixes the set up a bit. Um, I know those albums are not as well known as some of the other albums, especially over here. But, you know, they're really good, good songs. And live, I think, you know, they come into their own. So, um, yeah, it makes for an interesting set. When you personally look back at that period for Maiden and those records, as you mentioned, not not as well received, and it wasn't uh, the band at the, at the peak of popularity, at least here in America. But when you look back on those records, do you feel good about them? Do you still you you clearly still stand behind the material and the songs, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, I said at the time that I thought a lot of people would, you know, in the future, get into those albums a lot more and uh, maybe understand them a bit more and give them more of a chance. And that's what's happening. And, you know, loads of people are, you know, really enjoying those albums more now. And so, you know, I think they just had some really, really good songs on both those albums and they stand up to me as, you know, most of our other albums. But it's like anything. I think you need to sort of hear stuff a few times. And I think people, a lot of people couldn't get past the fact that we had a different singer and, it was one of those things, but uh, it was well received more in the rest of the world. Where the US was a little bit more awkward, but um, I think a lot more people are finding that they're 
you know, they're giving it a, ch- a second chance, if you like, and um, actually really enjoying them. Talking with Steve Harris. Steve, for people who have not seen the Legacy of the Beast tour yet, and there's many because, as you said, the tour is just getting started. You'll be out there for a while. But the other big thing that everybody is uh, talking about above and beyond the set list and how great the band sounds live is the production. And, gosh, Iron, Iron Maiden is known for gargantuan stage productions over the over the tours and all the decades. But this one, by all accounts, even outdoes some of the stuff you've done in the past. Can you talk a little bit about what went into the show and the presentation for this tour? Yeah, I mean, we put up a bit more money into it. You know, we're supposed to kind of, kind of actually with the stuff that we were doing. Um, but we wanted to do something that was just taking it a little bit further and pushing the boundaries a bit. And uh, it's worked. I mean... You never really know 100% when you're doing stuff with a new production until you get to the production rehearsal where it's going to really work as well as you want it to. But uh, I think this one has exceeded all expectations, really. It's, it's really great. You know, of course, I'm facing the other way and whatever, but I saw it on production rehearsals and this and that and the other. And I think it looks really, really good. And, um, yeah, I think people are just raving about it. And that's great. You know, I was thinking the other day, I came across a photograph, and I don't expect you to remember this, but back in 2000, I came to your offices in England and did a national radio special for the Brave New World record and the uh, the, the reintroduction of Bruce and Adrian coming back into the band. It's hard for me to believe that that was 19 years ago already that that all happened. And if you look at Iron Maiden, you know, the two, the two different phases with Bruce from when he left to when he came back in 2000. I mean, this this whole past 19 years has been pretty remarkable because in most parts of the world, uh, after decades, the band is seemingly bigger than than you've ever been. Yeah, it's amazing, really. I don't know where the time goes. It's crazy, it's scary, really, what happens with the time. But, um, yeah, it just seems to be getting bigger and better. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what can you say? You take it all day long. It's it's great. We're, we're really enjoying it. Everyone's enjoying it. Um, you don't know how long we're going to sort of be doing it for. So everyone's looking at it. You know, we're just totally enjoying every gig and taking each day as it comes, really. Well, along those lines, how is Bruce doing? Because... We shouldn't forget that Bruce was obviously very ill there for a while, battled cancer, and I, I've seen him and talked to him since. He seems to be doing great. It was remarkable the last time you guys toured for Book of Souls, how good he was, what a long set you guys played. Uh, seemingly, no one would ever know he was coming off of uh, of beating cancer. His health is okay? Everything is fine with him? His, his stamina? Is yeah, he, his health is, is great, and he's doing really well, and he's enjoying it. Um, and I think, you know, obviously his outlook on life is, you know, maybe different to before. And he's just really, really positive about everything. And, it's, you know, it's great. All good. Yeah, and you, you alluded to this kind of a second ago where you said, you know, you don't know how much longer you guys can keep doing this. Maiden have to deliver and are expected to deliver a big, high-energy show. You're not up there sitting on a bar stool, strumming an acoustic. When will you know, how will you know that the time to put Maiden to bed has come? Have you thought about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we'll all feel that. If, we're not, if we feel we're not cutting it anymore, then you know we'll discuss it, and that, that'll probably be the end of it. But at the moment, we don't feel like that. We feel like we're definitely still uh, you know, pulling our weight, so to speak. And... Um, you know, we're just doing well. You know, I think, you know, so far, so good. I don't want to tempt fate, but we are doing good. 
Well, I say that all the time about my favorite bands. You never, you can look at so many of them that are still so good so many years on. The only time as a fan that I say, well, maybe they should start about ha- hanging it up is when key members aren't there or they're not nearly as good as they once were. Uh, you know, you and I, I know, are huge UFO fans, and they've announced their final tour. And as much as I love that band, and as great as Phil still is, and and sadly we just lost Paul Raymond, I said, you know what? Okay, that seems to kind of make sense. They're still pretty good, but they're going out uh, still relatively strong. But they know the the end is coming as far as their ability to play well. So it's just kind of you know, I guess feeling it out and knowing when you go out respectfully and still strong. Well, I think it's a personal thing, obviously. So, you know, if they feel that it's the right time, when it, you know, when is the right time? I suppose, you know, I, I presume you'd know when that was. You wouldn't need your best friend to tell you that. I think you would know it yourself. So, um, you know, I think we will know as well if that time, if and when that time comes. Do you feel good physically? You, you guys, you guys are such a physical band. You're on a giant stage running around. Uh, we all are getting older, aches and pains and stuff. Is it is it hard to get up there the next day, or do you feel good physically? Um, I'm actually feeling pretty good at the moment. I thought I'd feel a lot worse than this because usually the first couple of weeks is is the toughest, and it, it is even with you when you're 35, let alone you know the age we are now. But um, so now at the moment I'm feeling you know I can't speak for the others too much but I'm feeling really good so but I've been preparing for it as much as I can maybe not as prepared on this tour as before possibly you know but uh, you know running every day and stuff like that or whatever but um, no I feel good um, I wish I'd played more football or soccer as you call it but um over the last year or whatever, I haven't played much of that, but I've been doing lots of running, playing tennis and stuff. So, you know, I actually feel pretty good at the moment, but, I, you know, it's only two gigs in, but, um, yeah, not bad. Two more quick things, Steve. I know you have a show and then I'll let you go. I'm curious, you know, I read and I had Bruce on for my show uh, for his book. Did you read his book? Yeah, I read it. Yeah, I read it. I think it's good. I mean, you know, he could have been a little bit more open with it. Some people were complaining, but, I, you know, he wrote what he wanted to write. It's, I thought it was quite funny in a way because he was writing a lot of it when he was on the road, you know, or actually in a dressing room or whatever, and that's kind of what he does. He, he can, I don't know, I couldn't do that. But I sort of admire, admire it that he can, but I just said to him, oh, you, you're one of them annoying kids at school that you should do their homework <laughs> in the dinner hour, and he just laughed. <laughs> Well, he told me he actually wrote it with pen and paper, which I was blown away by. They actually hand wrote the book. I was like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> but it was just, you know, it was just scribbling down bits, you know, here and there. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how he does it, really. But he, um, I, I can't. I need to kind of be more focused on what I'm doing, I suppose. I don't know. But uh, he, he more, you know, I can't say he got away with it because it was, it was really good and it did really well. And, you know, good luck to him. But. I couldn't work like that, and but I admire, I admire people that can. Do you have any interest in writing a book at all? I, well, that's the thing. I would, yeah, I wouldn't mind writing one. And there's a few things I'd like to put out there to get things right. There's lots, you know, over the years of things have been said, and what isn't. You know, I'd like to put them right. But as I said, if I do it, I'd like to do it as a real project that I really sort of take time over. And at the moment, I don't have time to do that really. And, you know, all the rage these days seems to be either biopics or documentaries. Have you ever been approached or considered doing something like that for Iron Maiden? Um, well, again, it's just the finding the time to do it. It's just really difficult. I mean, um, I don't know. We'll have to see. 
Steve, I appreciate the time. Last thing, you're, you have on the road with you uh, your son's band, is that correct? Raven Age? That's right, yeah. Tell me a little yeah, bit about them and people coming to the shows. Tell them a little bit about, uh, about yeah, them. They're, they're doing great. They just signed a new deal um, the other day in, in North America, well, the world, actually, with a you know, company called Explorer. It's very exciting, and uh, they're doing really well. Um, you know, they're... Their album, I think their album is absolutely fantastic. I really do. I think it's a world-class album. But, I mean, I'm, you might, people think I'm biased, but I, I would be the harshest critic too. But um, they got, you know, the new singer, um, and I think he's taken them to another level as well. No disrespect to the last guy. I thought the last guy was great, actually. But the new guy is just um, he's killing it. I think he's just doing a great job on it and uh, smashing it. And I really, yeah, I think they're great. They're doing a really good job. They've So far, they've, they've gone down really well. Um, they're just a really good musical band with, with really strong songs, good players. So yeah, it's all good, really. Well, a number of years ago, you had—I remember you had your daughter Lauren opening some shows for me. And is she still active in music, or is she not pursue she's, that anymore? She moved into doing acting now. So, oh, um, yeah, she's—I don't know—she's gone from the frying pan into the fire. It's a tough <laughs> industry we're in, and now she's gone into an even harder one. So uh, I don't know. It's. Uh, it's difficult, but uh, now she's really enjoying what she's doing right now. So um, maybe in the future she'll come back and do do some couple of things. She's got some material, a really strong material that that, that, that was never released. So we'll, we'll see. Well, listen, I know you have a show. I appreciate a few minutes, and I remind everybody to see Iron Maiden on the Legacy of the Beast tour. Uh, go to ironmaiden.com for a date, and if you're in the New York area, Brooklyn, two shows at the Barclays Center this coming Friday and Saturday. A lot of uh, me being a New York-based guy, Steve, I know Maiden as a, whether it be the Meadowlands or whether it be the Garden or whether it be Long Island, Nassau Coliseum, or now the new Barclays Center, uh, you guys have a ton of uh, history and I'm sure great memories in New York City, right? Yeah, yeah, it's always been great for us, and uh, audience, audience has always been great. I've always enjoyed being there, playing there, and um, yeah, it's, yeah, I always enjoy it. So, looking forward to it. All right. Well, I'm sure you'll have everybody out there in force. I look forward to catching a show soon. Again, IronMaiden.com to find a date wherever you're listening to go see one of the all-time greats, Iron Maiden, and one of the all-time greats, Steve Harris, joining me for a few minutes. Uh, Steve, thank you so much. Say hi to all the guys, and I look forward to seeing you soon. I will do, Mike. Cheers. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, I had a chance to see Maiden myself last weekend. Truly phenomenal. I thank Steve Harris for the interview Maiden does not do much press in America, and I'm grateful that every time they come around, they do give me some time. Great to talk to Steve, and look forward to seeing him again on the Monsters of Rock Cruise with British Lion early next year. That should be great. He was great on the last one as well. All right, cool, cool interview, and uh, very, very awesome to have Steve on. Next up, we'll get to Sully and Tony from Godsmack on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. The hit podcast based on the Emmy-nominated A&E series Cold Case Files is back with new episodes on Podcast One. Listen to powerful stories of crimes almost forgotten by the passage of time with interviews of the people involved as investigators shine new light on these cases and bring those responsible to justice. Download new episodes of Cold Case Files every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. 
The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. Okay, so I was mentioning earlier in the podcast that I ran into Sully from Godsmack a couple weeks ago headlining at a festival called Incarceration. I did shoot an interview with him that we did in a jail cell, had a, 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 a jail where this festival, a closed jail where this festival took place, and that was really cool. You'll see that on a coming episode of Trunk Fest on Access TV. Then a couple of days later, the Godsmack guys were in New York City, so I grabbed Sully and Tony, had them come by my studio, and here's how that conversation went. Sully and Tony of Godsmacker here. Good to see you guys. Thanks for having us. What's up? How are you? All right? Doing great. Uh, we uh, should, just so people are clear, the jail was a festival, incarceration, yeah. that you guys played a couple weeks ago. And it, it, I talked about it on the air. It was shot at a prison that was an active prison up until 1990, but this the prison that was used for Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. And anybody that saw any of our social media know it's it's it, the photos are unbelievable, man. And then you guys actually shot the video for Awake in there. You were telling me when we did the TV bit there. Right. Yeah, in 2000 we shot a video there with like two or three busloads of drunk Godsmack fans yeah, we, that we were trying to get to be the inmates and then we had this crazy storm come through so we had to postpone the shoot to like 2 or 3 in the morning. So by the time we got them all in their jail cells and got them staged for the shoot, they were just wasted drunk, <laughs> which made the video even better, you know? Had you guys ever heard of that place before you shot a video there back in almost 20 years ago? Uh, not not me. Well, I, we heard of it from Shasha, about Shasha. Right. We knew we were going there. Yeah, yeah. You know? But you didn't. You hadn't heard of it as far as a, uh, as far as a tourist attraction, which is basically what it is right now, or anything like that. It's the first time. So was it a director or something that, that turned you on to it and said that's where we should do this? Well, yeah. It was actually – he's a great friend of mine now. His name's Troy Smith. We That's exactly where we met was for that song. He shot the video for it. and But me and him had kind of wrote the script, and we, we, we knew we wanted to do this prison-style kind of video. Um, and so we started talking, and I was like – I actually suggested. I'm like, what about the place where they shot Shawshank? Because – I thought it was in Maine, which we're from Boston. We thought maybe that's an easy trek, you know, to shoot there and bring a bunch of fans from Boston area. But it turns out that the real prison that they filmed Shawshank at, even though the story was based in Maine, was in Mansfield, Ohio. Right, where we were. Uh, yeah. Over the years, I know we're going to talk about the record and all that stuff, but over the years, making videos, you, which in, including with the new record where – right up to the the new song which we'll talk about in a second but you you guys have been you've made some really cool videos over the history of the band back in the day you were making them because it was a big deal to get on MTV and it really drove a record now people make them as i guess to watch them on YouTube and as a marketing tool for the record but were you guys a band that enjoyed making videos did you Tony did you did you like do do you like doing them um, it, they're usually fun. Um, I think it's the most fun for Sully because he's always, you know, got a lot of input on on what he, how he wants it to be, and to, you know, a lot of them he's actually written the written the script for. Right. 
Um, but for me, yeah, I, I, they're pretty. They usually it's a good time. I mean, back when we used to drink, we'd always have alcohol. So <laughs> that, that made it fun. We have... Some of them were fun though. Like the voodoo was fun. It was fun putting that together because everyone kind of, you know, got to play some kind of role in it. And then we also had like real kind of ceremonies from the witches of Salem, Massachusetts. And remember we had that wolf show up on set. The guy brought a real wolf that came out of my chest at one yeah, point of the video. Yeah. Where was that shot? For it food. was all in Massachusetts. Oh, it was? Yeah. Just different locations. But And then we shot that whole, um, the uh, witches did a ceremony inside Hammond Castles, which is in Gloucester, Mass. Um, and it turns out that the guy, Hammond, something Hammond, I can't remember if his name was Thomas Hammond or something, Hammond, um, he, he invented, um, he was an inventor. He had this like laboratory and he literally built this castle for his bride to be. This is the story. Built this castle for his bride to be, had her brought in by boat because it's right on the ocean of Gloucester, Massachusetts, and, um, and proposed to her from the master bedroom balcony. Oh, wow. Right. And I, I found out later this guy invented the remote control. He invented the little light that goes on in the refrigerator. But I guess he also had a big handle on being a part of the um, the atomic bomb design or whatever and tried to sell it to um, us. And we didn't buy it. And he sold it to the Germans or, or his team did or something. But he was just an inventor. Mm. So when you see that video, that castle that the witches are doing the ceremony, and that was actually his house. Wow. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. What was the... Of the ones you've made, and I doubt it's you're going to say bulletproof because now it's so much cheaper to make videos than it was back in the day. But what was the most expensive one that you spent? Like because the budgets back in the day were crazy the, on videos. I stand alone. Yeah, yeah. I stand alone. That was a big. What it cost you? Three quarters of a million. Wow, that's amazing. Right, but we had the rock. Big, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we had the rock in it <laughs> before he was even really super big movie star. Um, and that was really fun. And Kelly Hugh, the other star of the movie, was in it. Um, but also, you know, we had a big budget because the the movie company, you know, they were putting up money too to do. Did it, they to pay for it? it, or was I it the remember. old R word recoupable? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it was recoupable because <laughs> we still we're still actually not making any money from that video. <laughs> And that was in 2003. Right. Um, no, but we, uh, I think, I don't know if the label and the movie company split it or what happened, but I, I do know it was it was a pretty hefty budget we got to work with. Well, anybody that's seen videos, the, the video for Bulletproof from the new Godsmack record knows that Sully, you get it. I, Tony seems like, yeah, I'll do. I like doing them, but it seems like you really embrace them and you really embraced Bulletproof, which is, as I said to you when we did the TV thing a week ago, I think the song is just over three minutes long. The video's under. The video's over ten, yeah. <laughs> so you know there's a lot of extra shit going on yeah. in the video. But um, you got into that one. That was fun. I'm assuming creating this character and doing all this stuff. Totally. Yeah. We, you know, we just kind of made a decision not too long ago that we just like, you know, it's just. <laughs> To, to stage a video and get that, you know, super serious about it is just kind of like, why? What's the sense anymore? It's supposed to be fun. Music's supposed to be fun. That's why we get into music in the first place, right? Just to jam in your garage with your friends and crack beers and things like that. So I think the videos now are kind of becoming the same thing. We're older now. It's like, you know, how many tough poses can you really do? <laughs> <laughs> and so we're just trying to have fun with it. And um, that one was really fun. That was super fun for me because I got to really be in a whole different character. And I think everyone had fun with it. I think everyone did really well with it, too. Like, everyone that we brought into the video just, um, I thought, did great. Tony, you were into it? 
Yeah, luckily he didn't give me too much to do, but uh, he made, um, Robbie and Shannon, they they had to do some pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> I was, had fun laughing at them, and, yeah. and he has fun doing, doing you know, acting, even, yeah. you know, on these things and putting it together, so. The next one's going to be even better, I think. So, well, now there's a video for Scars, which we're going to talk about Scars in a second, but you, you've got an, another one coming after that? Yeah, yeah, Scars um, is just, you know, a live performance and, you know, a lot of our kind of more heartfelt meet and greets and, you know, people that uh, struggle with mental illnesses and certain things like that. Um, and so it just became what it was, kind of a day in a life on the road with Godsmack. But the but we are going to be launching another single eventually. Um, and uh, we have a really great idea for the script. I actually have it all written out already. It's done. It's like ready to shoot, but we just need to figure out when it's going to drop and you know and that kind of thing but it's going to i think it's going to give bulletproof a run for its money oh really yeah so you're going it's back it's another are, mini movie are you re re uh and pasquale may is make he, a cameo he, i was just going to say is pasquale coming back <laughs> i think so he's become a pretty you know um favored character with the fans right now he should have his own line of merch at the at his own yeah. meet and greets at the yeah, at the god show. show i told i told uh, billy ray cyrus i'm like maybe it's billy ray and pasquale you know <laughs> reality show so you're clearly somebody that feels there's a lot of value still in doing videos you put a lot into them obviously you're talking about doing a fourth one already there's a third one uh, one now for scars now so you feel that even though because i talk to artists all the time they're like oh you know who cares you know, people watch them on their phone or whatever but it it still is a good driver to let people know you have a record out and hear a song and a good way to hear a song and it's an on-demand world, so I guess it's you guys still feel it's really. You no, know I think doing. it is. I think we're starting to look at it now is like um, just pure entertainment. Yeah. You know, I think if you can just capture an audience and entertain them for four, five, ten minutes, whatever it is, then you know it's kind of like they learn about the music as the backdrop behind it, and maybe that just turns them on to the band in general. But um, you know, I think the Foo Fighters kind of paved the way for a lot of that kind of entertaining, funny video style, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rock and roll band thing. So, um, but but I kind of agree with it. I think now it's not really about like promoting that song in the video and making. The, to me, it's just more about like how do you entertain people? How do you get them to smile or laugh and be you know just have them enjoy that moment? And I think that's how you become a little bit more memorable to them. It's hard though, man. With my kids, I try to explain to and even to younger people like. And you guys are certainly old enough to remember this. That when a video came on MTV, like the world premiere video like you waited you yeah. sat you sat there waiting for that video Even before the- that though i remember when mtv was just live concert videos like i yeah. remember seeing acdc and stuff like that and that's when i first seen mtv or heard about mtv there wasn't like video videos triumph yet. Not- billy squire yeah, Ario speedwagon yeah all those i thought clips. that was i still have those memories and i love that the but the impact, hands. right? But the impact of like, but me, but when it moved on, when you got into the late '80s, it was just like the world premiere of whatever yeah. is coming up, yeah. and there was like it was this thing that you just waited and hung on, and now it's like, oh, there's a new guy. Oh, I'll click here and boom, it's just yeah. But that's the bi- music industry now. Obviously, everyone's and, and overstimulated. What, but what's really cool, and I was thinking about this coming in, is you guys came into the business. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would think at a really good time because you got a really good run and bite out of the days of actually selling a ton of physical records and having multi-platinum records and having that whole um, MTV world. And But you're, you're also not 
relics where today you're still very much relevant. You're still doing really well with a new record. You're still out there playing and headlining festivals and you've adapted to what the business is now. So you, you, to me, if, if you guys would have come maybe 10, 15 years earlier, you would have, you know, just been thought of in that world. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you've straddled both worlds really well. You've transitioned into what it is now really well. So you've seen all sides of the business, really a transitionary time, I would think. Mm. You agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we used to sell millions of records. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have a record with When Legends Rise that's doing extremely well. Yeah. But do radio maybe a third number one single or do we have a third number one yeah, single? Yeah, it it's actually today. Today today went to one Yeah, for Scars. Yeah, we just got the email this morning. Congrats. Thank you. So three number one rock radio singles from this record. Yeah, on this record. But let me ask you this. Do you, like, if you had that on a record, say, in the late 90s, uh, the reaction... Rich. <laughs> exactly. That's where I'm going. You would you'd have triple platinum records on your wall, yeah, right? Yeah. Do you feel... Do you maybe you feel in it a different way? You don't actually see physical sales, but do you see it at shows? Is that where it shows up? Yeah, we're definitely seeing a change in the attendance, and we're seeing a new audience as well, which is kind of nice for us because you know we made a conscious decision to change this record up and just create something a little bit different than what we've been known to write in the past. And um, I think that's now reflecting on our audience, our sales, the attendance, who's showing up. You know, we're seeing a lot more females at the show. We're seeing a lot younger kids at the shows. Um, their parents are bringing in this new generation that are learning about Godsmack through their parents. Because, you know, these same people that were 25 years old that were Godsmack fans in 98 45, are now 50 and they 50, have an yeah. 18-year-old of their own and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really cool. And we also, um, we're, we're, we welcome that because we feel like the first 20 years of our career – um, was really a different timeline for us. And it was, you know, it was just a different period. I was a lot younger. We were all younger. I was angrier. There was more things that it was like figuring out in life. And now we're on the other side of it. And um, and this, this album really is kind of a, a new door that's opening for us to kind of start a new chapter in our career. Well, when we, you were on this show just before the record came out, when we talked about that with when legends rise and you had said at that time, I, I reminded you this last week, you had said at that time you were a little almost apprehensive about how this record was going to be received by Godsmack fans because you were going to try doing some different things. Mm -hmm. Clearly here we are now, it's probably a year since then or whatever, eight months, whatever it is since we talked and the records come out clearly it worked, you know, because you just said three three rock radio number one songs. Yeah. So so you're a bit of a gamble, but needless to say, it paid off. Yeah, it, it really was just kind of the unknown. But we just knew that if we kept writing in the same format, then I think we would have just continued to have the same results. I don't even know if it would have just like deteriorated on us, but I just feel like it was kind of it had leveled off and it was just stagnant, you know. And I just really wanted to kind of liven it up again. And so um, these guys that actually came to me first and they were actually suggesting, you know, maybe you should kind of like start doing majority of the writing again. We always feel like we've done the best when you were kind of doing the writing. But I, I had told them, I said, you know, I appreciate that. But at the same time, I've been thinking about if I'm going 
to do that on this round of writing, I personally would like to even work with some outside writers because I, I was just curious to see how some of those experts in those fields perceive Godsmack and want I wonder what they think we should sound like in 2018 Mm. and that kind of thing. Right. And so it was really interesting for me to kind of go outside the box and, and just see how other people hear us or how other people think we could be. And when I started getting some music presented to me, um, that's when, you know, things started to really take a, 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 a different road, um, as far as, um, the the style of the song or whatever, but I still don't think we went that far out that it alienated our audience. No, no, you no. Know, no. It's still power and it's good hard rock record. Right. Um, it's just some different, you know, different textures and colors in it. But that's interesting, Tony. You guys encouraged this. It sounds like the other guys in the band said, going into this record, said, "Hey, let's you know, let let's try to change it up. Whether it be Sully taking all the reins or bringing in other people, you embrace the idea. Yeah, uh, at first it was you know um, different for us because we've always done it ourselves, and we brought we bring riffs to Sully, and then he if he likes it, then he'll help make it into a song, and it could become a song, you know. Um, but it's hard um, to sound different like uh, than myself. I'll come up with riffs, and I have a certain way I play, you know. So it, it's really hard to have a whole new sound out of somebody. Uh, so like myself where I'm just a guitar player and I can only offer him riffs. So, um, it, it was, it was much different for us, you know, much different experience. Um, but I'm looking at the results and I'm, I'm saying yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and the people you worked with as far as outside contributors did, were they people you had always wanted to work with or did somebody pr- sort of place them with you and say, Hey, these try working with this guy, try working with that guy. That's what it was. I, we went to the label, who now were with BMG and they also have been, you know, known over the years, a very big publishing company as well. And so we just figured, okay, they have all these publishers, all these writers, like let's, you know, utilize what we have now, the resources. And so I just asked them, I said, you know, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Bring me some people. The one person I did write with that I had been looking forward to writing with for a while was Clint Lowry from seven dust. Mm -hmm. Um, And me and him had just been friends since the eighties. And we always wanted to just kind of get together and it gave us an opportunity to do that. And we got a song out of it. It's a song called just one time um, on on the B side of our record. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, like John Feldman, I wrote when legends rise with um, and uh, he's done a lot of work with a lot of kind of pop punk bands and stuff. Five Seconds of Summer, Blink One Eighty Two, things like that. Um, but Eric Ron was a, a no name that I I personally had never heard of yet. Um, I guess he he had done some stuff, nothing too crazy, but like um, Panic at the Disco, I think. And so so when these thing. people come, so to me, like I'm I'm fascinated by songwriting because I think it's. I mean, as I say so many times, I love guitar, great guitar playing, great singing, great drums, but there's a lot of great musicians. Writing great songs to Mm -hmm. me is the true intangible of what makes a band great, the ability to create out of thin air great songs, right? And I would think, not being able to write or play a thing myself, I would think that that's a really personal thing. Like when you're going to write something, whether it be lyrics, music, whatever, and present it to an audience, like it's a really personal thing. Mm -hmm. So when you worked with these people how did that process actually work did you physically get in a room with them or were you trading files over email and say hey try that or try that and did i imagine there were some people like nah i'm not feeling this this one's not this isn't going to work right i mean take me through how that all works yeah i i personally chose to get on a plane and go see these people and spend a day or two with them in a studio and and you know just see if there was some kind of chemistry there um but i'd never like they'll 
they none of them wrote any lyrics or melodies. It was just strictly music they were presenting me with, like, oh, we think this could be kind of a cool riff, a cool groove or whatever. And we would sit there and we would start tweaking the arrangement and just kind of getting the music together. And then from there, I would step outside and I'd start working on lyrics and melodies. And that's kind of how it came together. Because you're right. For me, I have to have a personal connection with the song in order to like um, be able to represent it live, especially. Um, so lyrics and melodies, I always, always write myself because I have to have that connection. Um, but that's kind of how it came about was, you know, I would go visit some different people, the label set up some names and, you know, I kind of sifted through it and picked a certain group. And then I went, spent a day or two here, a day or two there and just, you know, kind of made my rounds and some of them, you know, made the record and some of them didn't, um, there was only, you know, it's funny that a couple of the ones that have a co-write, like Legends Rise and uh, Bulletproof, were actually the first two singles that came out, too. Oh, so wow. That was interesting. Tell but me- I think Bulletproof was really the one. That was the first one I, you know, when we came back. And I was also doing some writing on my own, and the guys were writing in Florida, so I was going to visit them at some point as well and work on my own band. But I was just trying to, like keep as many options open as, as I could because I think variety is really the spice of life. And, I mean, the Beatles even wrote 100 songs before they picked their 13 for their record or whatever. So it's a numbers game to really find good, you know, good songs. Um, and, and that was the one I was the most nervous about because, you know, I had a pretty good demo of that song, Bulletproof, at the time. And, and it was time to go see these guys and see what they were up to. And I went down to visit them and... We were swapping, you know, playing. They were playing me some of the stuff they've been working on. And then I was like, all right, I want to you know, play you guys a song. Keep your, you know, an open mind here. And I played in Bulletproof because it really does have a commercial kind of aspect to it. You know, a lot more than we had done in the past. And I was kind of sweating bullets because I was thinking, oh, they're going to think, where is he going with this record? <laughs> it's, you know, it's not the gritty, grungy, chuggy Godsmack that everyone's known, but luckily for me, you know, they liked it and embraced it, and I think that kind of like set the tone for the record and w- where we were going to go with it. And clearly, the fans have as well because uh, three th- three singles that's unprecedented for a band these days in, in rock. So that is awesome. And the third and the latest being Scars. Now, the history of that song, uh, Sully, give us that story. Well, it's. It's it, it's a it's a much longer story than we have time for right now. But um, a couple years ago, I was introduced to a really great person named Stephanie, who a lot of people know as Lady Gaga. Hanging out, we had some time together, and um, whoa, 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 one second there. How did that introduction happen? It was through a mutual friend of ours. Okay, so it's not like she turned up at a Godsmack show because she has been no. known to show no, up. That would have been nice at metal she's, shows. She's a rock fan. She's shown so. up at a Maiden show or a Kiss show, so it wouldn't be crazy to see. Yeah, that. no, yeah. she loves metal. She loves rock music. Um, and um, so it was a mu- it was a, a, a a meeting sort of set up, or you or you're at a party. <laughs> you really digging for Yeah, well, you that's can't just accept you can't the fact. no because you can't just say I just happened to run into Lady no, Gaga. I didn't, I didn't say I ran into. I said that we had met through a mutual friend of ours and um, blind date. I mean, what? Yeah, we just kind of hit it off and we hung out and it was nice. You know, she's a great person, super talented as you know, and really like I have a lot of respect for her. She's extremely smart. You know, uh-huh. very very smart businesswoman as well, and um. But anyways, um, you know, just through us hanging out, uh, you know, sometimes it's funny how, um, you know, through conversations and different kind of encounters, we start to understand that some of us have these like um, physical or emotional scars that we battle, you know, and that sometimes we feel um, 
that uh, you know we feel vulnerable vulnerable about and that kind of thing. And this whole thought process kind of took me down this road of like, wow, I wonder how many people. Um, you know, bring someone into their life that they really enjoy being around and they, you know, they feel connected to or whatever. And then you do something or you say something and it triggers something that is human nature. It just makes us run away. It makes us shut down instead of dealing with whatever it is we're dealing with. And so it kind of created this whole thought process for me about the song um, and how many people out there probably have these, you know, these, these, what we call scars, these imperfections. Um, and, um, and so, uh, I had it written out on acoustic and then when we were in the studio, I transposed it onto a piano and then it just started to take a new life and it became more of this epic style, November rain, dream onish kind of ballad, mm. you know, vibe. And, and then I just started thinking, you know, I don't know too many rock bands that are doing this again. Like I remember kind of vintage rock being, you know, and if, if it just reminded me of that. So we, we kind of pursued it and, and went down the rabbit hole and, and took that song really into the ballad form. Um, but then it just really took on a much bigger life because then this whole meaning behind the song um, really got us thinking about, you know, creating this organization, which is, as you know, the Scars Foundation. Mm-hmm. And um, and that, that was what inspired um, this, this nonprofit that we just launched, which was that the song Under Your Scars. Mm. Yeah, it's an amazing. This the video is great. The song is just incredible. I mean, your vocal on it is unbelievable, man. Thank you. It's really killer, and uh, the success on the record is just amazing, man. I'm really happy for you because I know, and I, they're gonna cut me here because I know you guys have to do other stuff. But I know, like I said, I if we pulled that tape of you when you were on just when the record come, came out, it was like, well, we're, we're going to see how people are going to feel about it. You know, it's like, you were very diplomatic. Yeah, about, we don't know. Well, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I mean, we tried some different stuff. We'll see if the fans come <laughs> along. And now it's awesome that here we are, you know, not even a year later and you guys are sitting here talking about a third rock number one. So it, the experiment yeah. works. Sully, yeah. exhale, buddy. Thanks, man. <laughs> exhale. You're <Feels> good. good. <laughs> well, and the tour, you guys are out now, right? Yeah, we're, we've been out since last September, and uh, I think we're going to be out till at least the summer of 2020. Well, if you got a record that's humming like this, it's why working, not? Yeah, right? Get yeah, out there, and yeah. the shows are incredible. I mean, every time I see you guys, you're blowing more shit up on the stage, and there's just the 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 production and the delivery is just incredible, man. Mm-hmm. I always catching you guys at whether they're festivals in a jail or Rocklahoma or wherever we are. It's always great to see you guys out there. Killing. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great to be back in the Big Apple too. You know, yeah, yeah. haven't been here in a little while, so we're looking forward to this one too. All right, well, um, can't let you go without giving me a Pat's prediction, real quick. I gotta tell you, we're six weeks out from this. I gotta t- listen, man. Season. Born and raised in Boston, my entire life. Don't hate on me. I know we're here, and well, that's no. why you said Big Apple. So I teed that right up. Oh, right? I see. Okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a national well, radio. New, show. New Yorkers don't, you know. It's but, a I, national but I will radio say this. Show. Oh, oh, that's right. But I am sitting in New York right. doing it. So right. let's just talk about that for a second. New York Giants are the only team that took away our undefeated season. My so team, I, baby. I have to hate them for my that. My team. Because Eli Manning took away. And I, I Thank mean, you. You know, at that 18 point. And, and, one. and by the way, me and my drummer were at the Super Bowl. And 
I was just at that point, not only, I mean, of course I was there to support my team, but I was really there as a fan of the NFL because I am a football fan. Me too. And I wanted to just be a part of that history. And you guys just ripped it 18 out. 18-1. and one, I got the t-shirt. I almost wore it today. Oh, it just I says 18-1 in yeah, red, white, and good. blue. Congratulations on that <laughs> We've one We've only game. won 75 Super Bowls, so <laughs> you'll be fine over there. We got to go. These guys got to get out of here and do stuff. Great to see you. Congrats, yeah, thanks, Tony, man. Sully. New Thank album you. is out now, When Legends Rise. See the guys on tour and uh, – They'll be back here in a few more months to talk about five or six more number ones, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, let's see. You just jinxed it. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. Good seeing see you. Ya. Really cool what's going on with Godsmack. Congrats on all their success on their new album, When Legends Rise. And thanks to Sully and Tony for a few minutes there. Again, coming by my Sirius XM radio show a couple of weeks ago. And glad to bring you that interview, as well as the interview earlier with Steve Harris of Iron Maiden. Hope you enjoyed this huge Eddie Trunk podcast with some great guests and some great conversation. I thank you for listening. Spread the word about it. New shows every Thursday, free, Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. That, of course, is PodcastOne.com. Katie Irizarry is the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Please be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Eddie Trunk, and be sure to check out EddieTrunk.com. All my appearances on the homepage of the website, Instagram, at Eddie Trunk as well. And be sure to listen to me every day on Sirius XM 106 volume live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replaying 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern or on the Sirius XM app. And finally, please check out Trunk Fest new episodes 930 Eastern every Sunday night on Access TV. Guys, have a great week. I'll catch you next Thursday for another all new episode. is the beach 60 miles of bright sand water and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night you can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent a place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around with nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air plan your own music field trip to america's jukebox at visit myrtlebeach.com